You are listening to your home for Michigan Athletics, 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Locate us on the web at WCBN.org. 15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six seconds remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. Listening to sports on WCBN FM Ann Arbor, where Red Berenson knows that the bar is pretty high. Hello, everyone. My name is Blair. You're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. But when it comes to DJs, I'll put you at the top of the class. Cause I love rock and funk and pop and punk and all that jazz. From hip hop to bebop to doo-wop, you ain't playing no flops. The way you kiss my ears kicks my ass. Well, uh, good evening. It's uh, about 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. <clears throat> My name is Dick Whaley, and Jim should be joining us shortly here. Comfortably hot today, and guess what? Donald Trump was in town. Not here in Ann Arbor, but in Detroit, addressing the... Detroit Economic Club. I guess Hillary Clinton is addressing this venerable body next week sometime. Trump's speech was uh, bizarre, to say the least. A lot of it was kind of really standard stump speech, but uh, I would say that uh, not since 1972, when George McGovern gave his acceptance speech at about 2.30 in the morning, and then, of course, got into an enormous uh, political jam with the appointment of, eventual appointment of Sergeant Shriver to replace Tom Eagleton on the ticket. Uh, Tom Eagleton was the original choice of the Democratic Party in 1972. Uh, McGovern made the unfortunate comment of backing him 1,000%, but when it was revealed that... Uh, Tom Eagleton, who by all accounts was a very uh, hardworking, uh, honest-type senator from the state of Missouri, had undergone uh, electroshock treatment to deal with depression. Uh, it was sort of decided that uh, he should be dropped from the ticket. So McGovern... <laughs> Probably wasn't going to win in 1972 anyway. Uh, his main issue was the Vietnam War. And Richard Nixon had, uh, well, he had used high-level diplomacy to uh, set up his re-election. He'd opened up uh, uh, detente uh, talks with the Soviet Union, and he, had, he personally visited uh, China 
so-called opening to China in February, I believe, of 72. But I would say in the last uh, 10 days, Donald Trump has had about as bad a stretch as any political candidate possibly in American history. When you hear the word intervention, (laughs) uh, of course, three things come to mind. Uh, Drug dependency problems involving family intervention, perhaps with a family member. Mental illness intervention by the family involving a family member. Possibly, unfortunately, even dealing with elderly uh, relatives who may be suffering from Alzheimer's. And then uh, the other word intervention usually refers to is military intervention. And, of course, the United States has had way too many of those. But when you have a, quote, intervention going on with Donald Trump uh, involving the troika of Chris Christie, Newt Gingrich, and Rudy Giuliani, I'm a little worried. Uh This is almost like the Three Stooges operating on the patient. And I don't know if this can be turned into a comedy, but I'm sure it will make for a very worthwhile Saturday Night Live skit at some point. I mean, I don't know who Mo is. I don't know who Curly is. But uh, the Three Stooges intervening to save Trump's candidacy. Pretty scary stuff. Just a quick review of some of Trump's problems. You know, recently he banned the Washington Post from covering his campaign. He made all kinds of outrageous statements after the Orlando shooting over a month ago. Told a baby to shut up. Had the crying baby. Went after the crying baby and then was pleased when the baby was escorted out of the room and then apparently even attacked the mother. Uh, He had an imaginary letter from the NFL uh, regarding his proposed withdrawal from the debates or his possible no-show involving some of the debates. Uh, Trump's big complaint is football games. I would just like to inform Mr. Trump there's football on six days, six nights a week in America these days. I think Tuesday may be the only football-free night in America during the week. That in in and and of itself is a little weird has become a scary development, uh, given the fact that football uh, can now be regarded, I would say, objectively, even though it is a great sport to watch, as a public health cauldron ready to explode. Uh, And then, of course, he had scrapes and public attacks involving Paul Ryan and John McCain. Um, And, of course, the continuing... um, Disputes with the Kazir Khan family and continuing to attack him personally. Well, and today it's announced there's a letter signed by 50 former uh, Republican National Security Council advisors uh, recommending that uh, people stay away from supporting Trump because he's a threat. There does seem to be emerging a kind of strange thing regarding Hillary Clinton's campaign. Uh, She, of course, took a lot of abuse during the primary uh, from all sides. Uh, Bernie was attacking her from the left, Donald Trump attacking her from the right. 
And trying to attribute uh, some of Detroit's problems to Hillary Clinton is ludicrous. Detroit's problems, economic problems, go back to the 60s. Uh, manufacturing jobs were leaving this country way before trade agreements. And, of course, the race riot in 67. Well, and the Arab-Israeli War of 73. Had nothing to do with Hillary Clinton. Uh, I don't even know if she had arrived at Wellesley, Wellesley College yet. Yeah. Uh, I think that might have been her freshman year. Um, so I think there is this kind of strange, um, almost conspiracy concept about Hillary Clinton. She's the first lady, and she's supposed to be responsible for NAFTA. Uh, some of these arguments are really pretty absurd at the end of the day. And Hillary has been running a kind of a traditional what I call ground game style campaign. She's never going to be mistaken for Martin Luther King or John F. Kennedy or Barack Obama um, or possibly even Abraham Lincoln. I don't know what Abraham Lincoln sounded on the stump speech, but apparently the Lincoln-Douglas debates were quite entertaining because Abraham Lincoln was a wit who could combine uh, pithy anecdotes Pithy anecdotes from both the Bible and Aesop's fables. And I'm afraid that it's unfortunate that we don't have more candidates like that in this day and age. Uh, the decline of cultural reading and the dumbing down of America is one of the biggest problems in our country. And this is a problem in a number of areas of our culture, in my opinion. It's well, troubling. In, yeah, in fact, if you look at our last handful of presidents you can tell which ones were readers and which ones were okay someone's going to tell me what to do here kind of people right and even trump's endorsement of ryan which he made at the end of the week allegedly came with a and i'm rattling my paper here it came with smirky scowl well it came with that but it also came with a three by five uh note uh Cue card, basically. Trump was sort of forced to read it. Here, read this. Uh, what he's got what wrong with Paul Ryan, I, I don't really understand it other than Paul Ryan has been um, <clears throat> tepid towards him. Blood is thicker than water, they say. I think Trump's blood is, and his skin is thinner than water. It seems to boil rather rapidly for all sorts of personal reasons well i mean and he's unbalanced at this point to put it mildly sort of come out of the gate a little unbalanced here uh, post convention but uh although uh, some people are still pulling for trump to actually get it together uh apparently his speech today in detroit was interrupted and he rather calmly waited for the interruptions to be cleared well, I actually heard part to... of it, and yeah, the biggest applause lines were when they escorted protesters yeah. out, because it was really a dull, uh, sort of repackaged uh, um, a lot of stump speech. A lot of boilerplate and cliches about... Uh... With very few specifics, you know, it was advertised as this bold economic new agenda, it had very few statistics and uh, proposals and specifics... Uh, there were a few statistics, but a lot of them sounded a little off base. 
So he, he looks a little bit more presidential in his demeanor, perhaps, today, despite the generic nature of the comments, his calmness uh, in the face of the uh, hecklers or protesters. Uh, oh, that's encouraging for those who are, uh, I hope he can get it together. But, I mean, really, the likelihood that he'll be able to keep it together, personally, pretty slim over the long haul here the next few months. And uh, the... Real story here is going to be watching the Republican Party squirm and sort of split itself up across different sections of the room. Well, I think that they're, they've reached a point where they're pretty much openly stating that it's every man for himself, every woman for themselves. They're, uh, of course, Trump, not only did he attack John McCain and Paul Ryan last week, but he, he went after Kelly Ayotte. Uh, there's even some uh, late reports that John Kasich is uh, considering endorsing Hillary Clinton. Um, I understand, by the way, because I did listen to the end of Trump's speech today and heard Jack Lessonberry on uh, WUOM that former Republican Governor Bill Milliken, William Milliken, a true credit to the Republican Party for a variety of reasons and the way he handled himself as governor, I think he was three-time governor of the state of Michigan. Great emphasis on <clears throat> bipartisanship, uh, cordiality, decency, as, as uh, Lessonberry put it. That's also, what a Republican used to be. Environmentalism. Yeah, absolutely. It's my recollection, and I got to Michigan about that time in my life, that, that Michigan— That's a conservative value, right? Or could be seen as a conservative value. Well, Michigan was the first state in America to pass a bottle law. And yep. when you look at all of the wasteful um, garbage that's being created in the United States, uh, because we, we don't even have curbside recycling in about 90% of the country, it, it, it's, it's really a disgrace. Um, so the bottle law was designed to keep Michigan cleaner. Mm -hmm. and, and it, it wor does. It worked almost immediately. Yeah, and it does. And, of course, there were, there were business resistances to it, uh, i.e. the cost and all of that. But as the saying goes, it was the right thing to do. And it would be uh, refreshing if there was more of that and a little less Donald Trump. Uh, I think it's absurd, by the way, to claim that cracking down on, on intellectual property issues in China is going to create 2 million jobs in the United States. That's ludicrous. We're losing jobs in the United States because people can download stuff off the Internet that, that affect artists here in the United States. I mean, our main problems are Google and Facebook. I noticed that the recent uh, Harper's Index had a uh, statistic about Google and Facebook that I find troubling. And this, by the way, I think is one of the un explored major issues of 2016 that hasn't been addressed in the campaign by any of the major parties, including the Greens. And that is the rising power of five technology companies. Uh, we were informed last week, by the way, after Amazon reported earnings, that uh, the five top uh, mark market capitalization corporations in the United States are the technology big five. And we don't need to name them, but I'll just mention that, that the percentage of online advertising spending that goes to either Facebook or Google, 85%. This concentration of 
the technology sector in a few hands is, I think, becoming scarier and scarier uh, in terms of how uh, we operate. And how interesting to hear today that Delta Airlines had to shut down its operations because of a power failure in Atlanta. So globally, Delta airplanes couldn't even fly. That's scary, um, I think, and troubling. And, of course, Donald Trump has already called a foul. He's already claiming that the elections will be rigged, predicting, I guess, defeat. I, I And I don't understand it. There are numerous problems in our country with voting, but it has never been rigged against the Republicans. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, how are you going to say this here? But that, that's the accurate way to say that. Yes, there was Tammany <laughs> Hall in the 19th century. Yes, Chicago had machines that did shady things in the 1940s and 1950s. But in our recent elections, all of the rigging has been perpetrated by Diebold. Uh, there were fishy results in 2004 regarding the re-election of George Bush. I would argue that computers flipped one out of 16 votes in the states of Maryland and Georgia because they use touchscreen voting with no paper trail. Uh, our problem is not rigged voting. It's no voting. It's the turnouts right. that are so low. Well, and Republicans have made every effort to prevent attempts to address that concern by quashing uh, early voting, voting by mail, sure, uh, and a number of other uh, proposals that have been put forth uh, locally uh, across the country. And they've gone out of their way in numerous states to uh, go after uh, claiming that the Voting Rights Act um, is, is obsolete. They've used these arbitrary ID um, concepts to limit turnout in certain jurisdictions. This has been exposed in lawsuit after lawsuit. And by the way, the rigging, the only rigging that's occurred in recent weeks in that area, and I think this has actually been a good story, that our courts have intervened to prevent these voter ID laws from applying in this particular election. Uh, we even had a voter ID law in North Dakota that was struck down with the judge, the district judge, remarking there's absolutely no evidence of voter fraud. Meanwhile, Donald Trump claims some voters are voting 10 times a day. Dude, it took me an hour to vote last Tuesday. <laughs> and I live in, in one of the most reliable cities in Ann Arbor. Now, of course, it was part of it was that I decided to take a bus around. You know, I could have I could have spent the 20 minutes to walk. I'm surprised how far I where I live, where my polling station actually is. Hmm. is kind of odd. I have to walk past certain closer polling stations. But that's the way the system works. doesn't matter. I don't have time to go commit voter fraud. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and the idea that there are people out there doing this, yeah, there's probably a couple. It's, it's not affecting any races. It might affect a local race here and there. But voter fraud is a kind of fictitious problem. Um, if, if there's any area of voter fraud, by the way, that's occurring, it's an absentee balloting. 
I would say. Hmm. Um, That's probably the most vulnerable. You know, and you you don't know who's filling Aspects. out absentee ballots right. sometimes. Um, Michigan, by the way, makes it somewhat more difficult to obtain an absentee ballot in many states. Um, but I am relatively confident that optical scanners that are, for instance, used in Ann Arbor and most places in the state of Michigan are reliable because there is a backup system to count votes by hand if need be. Well, you've got the card that you've filled out that's fed into the machine. That's kept, and that's your paper record. Yeah, and it's this panoply of local election boards and systems and uh, voter rolls and, you know, county clerks and, depart you know, uh, secretaries of state in various states. Catherine Harris comes to mind in Florida. <laughs> Mr. Blackwell comes to mind in Ohio in 2004. Uh, they've shown over and over that uh, precincts that are closed down are closed down in predominantly Democratic uh, voting areas. Uh, budget cuts are used as a justification to manipulate even our primary process. Many of the states that hold these quote-unquote caucuses, which I think are far more undemocratic than actual primaries, are big states, that uh, big Western states who don't want to spend the money to hold an election. So there are numerous problems with our democracy, um, but voter fraud is not one that concerns me as much as repressing the vote, the gerrymandering problem that remains unaddressed in any of these presidential debates and whatnot. Well, it, it almost begins to sound like, I mean, he had, Trump had the, one of the worst weeks I've ever seen a presidential candidate have yeah. last week. Um, the comments like that start to sound like preemptive loser talk. Like, uh, oh, well, if things go against me, it's because they were stacked against me from the start. Um, in fact, I heard somebody say, perhaps jokingly, perhaps they were serious about it over the weekend, that uh, if Trump's numbers continue to decline, uh, he might just walk away in a fit of peak and go, I'm done. I'm through with this. Whatever. Could happen. I mean, <laughs> you know we're not done with the crazy. Yeah. So something crazy like that could happen. And I think that what's happened in the last couple of weeks with uh, Clinton and Kane is that they are not running any sort of spectacular campaign that people are going, Yahoo! The convention well, was quite... Solid. Solid. Um, but uh, no, I don't see anything specifically uh, spectacular what, about that. But the... what Clinton and Kane have done is they've shown that they're sane people, that they're reliable, that they sort of resemble suburban America. Hmm. You know what I mean? Tim Kane comes up, you know, we haven't talked much about him uh, because he, he kind of comes oh. across as this sort of friendly, impish, cordial guy that could be your uncle. You know, he's, 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 Apparently he's into the replacements. Yeah, well, and he's a great harmonica player on the... Yeah. He can entertain a crowd just whipping out the harmonica. But he's stable. You don't get a sense that this is a reckless... Indeed. ...person. He's friendly. He's nice. And a regular kind of a family guy, not the... I'd be dating her if she weren't my daughter kind of family right. guy. Yeah, and, and it's kind of weird how, as Roger Ailes exited... Yeah stage uh, right 
<laughs> where else to go but right. <laughs> Donald Trump came in stage right. How ironic that Roger Ailes was be sh- being shown the door the very night of the Trump acceptance speech. That was conveniently downplayed on Fox News. And I don't think we've heard the last of the Roger Ailes thing. But the idea, by the way, that the Ailes departure... I mean, let's go back and think about this for a second. Fox News was invented in 96. Mm-hmm. It was designed from day one to be a... Clinton attack machine. A Clinton attack machine, because Ailes, it's well established that he worked for Nixon, that that he used television as a uh, quote-unquote hot medium. You know, the famous Marshall McLuhan hot medium, Mm, cold medium thing to present Nixon to the American people. This uh, so-called silent majority concept, I think he might have been one of the orchestrators of that. Uh, He got his start in television production producing the Mike Douglas show. So he, he knows how propaganda works. And when Fox News can actually get away with saying that they're fair and balanced... Well, that's a registered trademark. Uh, it's just a, a catchphrase. It's not an actual statement of truth. <laughs> and, of course, you know, they went up in the ratings during the Clinton. It's like stays crunchy even in milk. It's not really true, but it sounds good, and so yeah. that's our slogan. The Clinton sex scandal. So it's there's something bizarre about even the rise of Fox News. Uh, I don't know if that's ever going to be a, an investigated, but it's mm. isn't it interesting that there's all this outrage by Fox News about Clinton's alleged sex life. And, uh, you know, Clarence Thomas, he gets put on the Supreme Court for life. And Roger Ailes gets a $40 million severance package. And there's no outrage about this. Scary. I mean, and it's it's kind of now emerging that this was sort of a systemic uh, problem with Roger Ailes at Fox. Um, who knew? Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you always suspected that there was something creepy behind the heart of Fox News, but uh, just what specifically? Uh, and perhaps we'll hear more eventually. Now, one of the ironies, of course, is that Rupert Murdoch apparently is not a big fan of Donald Trump, but Rupert Murdoch in just, you know, several weeks ago played an enormous role in the Brexit vote in Great Britain. Mm. Uh, his newspapers were uh, pro-leave. And, um, you know, I I think that he has some personal problems with Donald Trump, but, you know, it's it's weird how Donald Trump over on Friday listed his economic advisors, his so-called economic team. They're all men. They all come from uh, basically Wall Street. They're hedge managers, uh, real estate tycoons, and then, of course, there's the ever-cheerful Stephen Moore, who's been appearing on television for years now. Uh, he's a visiting fellow at the Conservative Heritage Foundation uh, and it, its project for economic growth. And he's always been a uh, big proponent of the Club for Growth, the anti-tax group who, by the way, finally suffered a defeat 
in uh, a primary in Kansas. One of the teabaggers was shown the door by uh, more moderate Republicans in one of the congressional districts. So the Koch brothers took a defeat along with the Club for Growth, um, one of the very, very few incumbents to be defeated this year in the so-called Year of the Revolution, which I continue to remain skeptical of. Um, it's reassuring to, that Donald Trump has also promised today in Detroit that coal jobs are coming back to America, millions of them. Millions of coal and steel jobs are coming back as he, quote, simplifies the tax code, gives uh, rich people a big tax cut, and eliminates regulation. This is the Donald Trump economic message of the day. Well, and that's just, you know, echoing the old uh, Ronald Reagan bubblegum, mental bubblegum idea of, uh, oh, regulation's bad. We'll just, we're against it. Yeah. Very simplistic. Yeah, overly simplistic uh, and uh, ultimately detrimental. Well, it proved to be so in the financial crisis. And, of course, some of the reasons that coal have has been shown the door, since that's been a theme of the, of the show today, is that the utility companies have made moves in another direction regarding energy. Donald Trump seems to be unaware of the fact that clean energy jobs, there's more of them now in America, and fossil fuel combined. And that's where the growth is, certainly. And, and you know, he, he continues to misstate facts about our trade deficit. A big chunk of our trade deficit is with um, in, in the area of energy. We still have to buy oil. He talks about Mexico endlessly with respect to NAFTA, never talks about Canada. Canada's in the NAFTA agreement. Mm -hmm. Geez, he was. The Detroit Economic Club today, he was two miles from Canada. <laughs> Didn't mention Canada once. So, uh, you know, I, I, I begin to wonder about Donald Trump's grasp of some of the actual facts regarding policy. I think the reason he's been sparse on policy details is I don't think he knows them. I mean, you know, it's reported that he's been briefed by uh, people all the time about certain issues and... They say he's pretty much like Ben Carson. Right. It just goes in one ear and out the other. Uh, I mean, that's what I mean about the Republican Party uh, currently uh, in the act of vivisectioning itself. Indeed. Well, we are out of time uh, here on Gray Matters. We would like to th thank Tex Mannheim for engineering this evening. Do stay tuned to Yazoo City Calling coming up next on this fine station. You are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor, and text can be heard on Saturdays during the Down Home Show and Bill Monroe for breakfast. Quiet down, please! Listen, this is an emergency, and it can affect every one of us. That's all I can tell you right now. But we're trying to get things under control. In order to do that, we have to clear this area immediately. So please go home and stay there. We'll keep in touch with you through your radio station. Now be careful pulling your cars out of this area. Go home slowly and quietly. Just keep calm. Everything's going to be all right.